Are you a business owner who's looking to understand your finances and your profit plan? Or perhaps you don't even know what a profit plan is. You are in the right place. Financial Tough Love is a podcast for business owners looking to understand and make investments from a place of knowing. Kathleen, the host of the podcast, is also the lead bookkeeper and owner of Kathleen's Bookkeeping Agency. During this podcast, she brings her knowledge, her understanding, stories of and examples of clients from the past to bring some awareness to financial circumstances that you don't want to repeat in your business. If you're ready to get started, let's dig in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Financial Tough Love. I'm your host, Kathleen, and today I am so excited that we have our first guest. Our guest today is Courtney Berry, and I have been longtime uh, business friends with her, so I'm so excited to bring her here. And we are going to talk all things about her bookkeeping um, situation, including the fact that she uses Excel. Uh, So Courtney Berry is a Christian confidence mentor and a top 100 entrepreneurship podcast host of Faithfully Confident. She's a number one best-selling international author for a self-love devotional for women, and that has helped women across the globe. She has hosted two online summits with 30 speakers, been a columnist in a women's quarterly magazine, and quit her corporate job with no safety net to start her business with full confidence in God to catch her fall. And I will say something, I'm just going to add this on there too, is the time that I've been with Courtney and getting to know her, she has definitely grown and developed and shows what it's like to have that full confidence in God and to be able to put her trust and her faith there. So if that is something that you really want to learn more about or to get to um, see it actually in live action, I do recommend reaching out to Courtney. Um, Her Faithfully Confident podcast is quick little five-minute tips and and, uh, tricks here and there. And like I said, I am so excited she's here. And I can't wait for your your feedback on the podcast. And let me know what your biggest takeaway was. Um, All of Courtney's information will be included in the show notes below. And let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Financial Tough Love podcast. I'm here with Courtney Berry, and we are going to talk all about her business. So Courtney, I did do the bio intro that you had provided, but my listeners would love to hear from you a bit more about you and kind of what you do for a business. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Kathleen. I'm so excited to be here. So a little bit about myself, I'm a Christian confidence coach, and I actually work with aspiring and seasoned entrepreneurs to kind of build up that confidence to know that they can have a successful and profitable business, which is why I'm excited to be on here to talk about profit and all the money things. But <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that for about a year and a half now, and I love it. And that that's a little bit about my business. I don't know if you want to talk about me, but that's so what I, 
I did put in the intro too about how much I've seen you grow and actually just see God give you that faith in order to listen and really grow your business. Like you were, you had taken a year off and you had come back and it was just your business exploded after that. And I know a lot of people are afraid to rest, especially in this hustle, hustle culture, right? So that's my big thing. And that's something that a coach was telling me too. She's like, take a week off a month, take some time off. You've got lots going on. And I'd love to know, and I know this is really not really about the whole conversation today, but I'd love to know, how did you get that leap of faith in order to do that and listen fully to what you were being called to do? So, I mean, I, when I took that year off, to be honest, I was absolutely terrified (laughs) as most people would be. Um, I was about to have my most successful month in my business. It was about to be my first, I think it was a thousand dollar month. And I've never had that before. And (laughs) God's like, you need to quit. You know, I need you to take a sabbatical. You're not where I want you to be. So, you know, stubborn little frustrated me kind of went into my own world, but long story short, I made that transition. I was, I was driving in town and I was praying. And while I was praying, I was kind of asking like, okay, I know you want me to make this transition. Like, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to be doing right now? Like, I need that direction. And I just kept praying. I'm like, oh, I had this thought pop into my head of, it'd be really cool to go to school. You know, I've always wanted to go back to college. So as I was driving, I seen, I, and I can't make this up. (laughs) I was driving and there was a truck in front of me that had arrows pointing directly at the college saying, you get to choose. And I'm like, if that's not a God given sign, I don't know what is. Cause I didn't realize I was in front of the college at the time, but yeah, having that year off, I, I transitioned completely. Like I started my business from scratch right after, like I've, I had nothing. I had no clients and it was, it was an amazing year off of just growing that faith and getting to know God more, spending more time with myself. I'm personally, I'm a very codependent person. So I got to explore being independent and learn all the things. So it was just a beautiful journey of just finding myself again, I guess, in that year. And they say that, you know, the success in your business is all about who you are and where you are in that season in your life. And I, when I was successful previously, before that year off, I was in a season of hustle, 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 (laughs) be on your phone, you know, 24 seven, like my relationship was falling apart. My business was growing. My relationship was falling apart. So, I mean, it was, it was just what I needed without knowing I needed it. I totally feel you on that. Totally feel on you. And I do notice that when I take time off, that is when the inspiration comes. And that is when the nudges come about where to go next. And I want to say thank you for sharing that because I know we are so ingrained right now with you got to work all the time. You got to continue to put in all these hours and all of this extra stuff in order to make your business work. But really, it's the rest and the the down times that we need. Yeah. And I mean, my, uh, my most successful month, Kathleen was in April. I worked a week that month and 
it was my most profitable month. Like that was my biggest month I've ever had. And I literally only worked one week. <laughs> yeah. So and I do remember rest, that too. Yeah. You need rest. And <laughs> if you're not going to listen, God will do something to make you listen. I had a kidney infection. Yeah. <laughs> I was forced to not work and it was still my biggest month. Like it's crazy. It is crazy how, um, things get, happen to make you rest when you don't listen. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'd love to go into a little bit about you. And so one of the things I do with the intake for my listeners is I ask for a few fun facts about who I'm bringing on. And I wanted to really talk about how Courtney is an adrenaline junkie. And she had put in there that she had conquered her fear of being on stage by taking up burlesque dancing. So I know with being a confidence coach, you do have to step out of your comfort zone. How did burlesque dancing help you with one, getting through those um, fears and what made you decide to go down that route in order to push that comfort zone of yours? Oh, I love this question. (laughs) So when burlesque kind of entered my life, it was shortly after a breakup and my self-esteem was just completely down the drain and I had like no confidence whatsoever. And again, this is pre-confidence coaching, (laughs) but I had a friend message me and say, yeah, I'm going to go uh, try out for this, this burlesque thing. Do you want to do it with me? And instantly my brain was like, nope, don't do it. You're not a dancer. You don't dance on stage. You, this, this isn't for you. And then the other part of me was like, you are in a new season in your life right now and we need to try new things. So I ended up going, okay, I'll uh, try this, this burlesque thing with you. And I had to conquer a lot of my fears of like, I was also on top of <laughs> afraid of being on stage. I, I was scared to meet new people. Like I had really bad anxiety around meeting new people and just being out in public in general. So <laughs> it was a huge leap for me, but I had that vision of, you know, like I've always like, say for example, the movie burlesque watching Christina Aguilera and just her confidence on stage as she dances and sings and like I want that for myself I want to be that woman and in order to be that woman I need to get out of my comfort zone and I need to do this I am scared shitless to do it but in order to get comfortable with something you have to be willing to get uncomfortable so I ended up going to the first class I had an amazing time I ended up making it through the auditions, which still shocked me because I'm not a dancer by any means, but it was just so much fun. And then when it came to dancing on stage, like the first, the first, like maybe 10, 15 seconds was like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. Ah, Our song's coming on. (laughs) And part of me wanted to just say, screw it. I'm not doing this. I'm walking off stage from like, nope. I'm on here so that I can conquer that fear. I'm on here so that I can become that bold, confident version of myself. I'm doing this. And if people laugh at me, I don't care. I did something I wanted to do. 
And it's not up to them to decide whether or not I do this or not. So I'm doing this for me and I don't care what other people think of me. And I literally got addicted to burlesque after that first performance. Like it was so exhilarating and just hearing everybody clap and cheer. Like, I want to do this again. (laughs) So I went from dancing on stage in front of a crowd of 250 people to 700 people and then I think my next event was like around 1200 people and after that our group ended up breaking off but like it's it's been quite the journey (laughs) and I love it to this day so for those of you who can't actually see me I'm sitting here smiling and nodding away because I had a similar experience with pole dancing so I'd been through this situation within my life that I was like oh I need to try something new and I had done uh, pole dancing up on stage for the first time and I was so nervous and unlike burlesque I was up there by myself so it was just me all eyes are on soul me and I what really bothered me was the fact that I couldn't get my aerial invert so up on the pole and you flip around upside down and but I was like I can do it I can do it so I tried like five times (laughs) trying the song to try and get this darn aerial invert but I couldn't do it so I had to I had to put it aside and just do a normal invert in order to finish off the song. But it definitely pushes you out of those comfort limits. And it feels like it's one of those things that people tend to start during those transitions within your life. And it definitely was like, okay, if I can do this, I can do anything. It's kind of how the mentality felt after that first time up on stage. So thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Um, okay, so let's talk numbers and finances and profits and all of the above, because I know um, you do things different than what I tend to recommend my clients do. So let me know. And I'd love to know a little bit about what type of system do you do for recording your business finances and what made you choose that system? So I've tried all the systems out there. I've tried, I think wave was one that's coming into my brain, Mm -hmm. but like QuickBooks and whatever else is out there. I think I tried like three or four different softwares. I hated them. I absolutely hated them, (laughs) could not use them. And with me, I think it's not the software itself. I think it's just because I love to physically handle things myself and to know what's happening and be able to do things right then and there rather than it be automated. So, I mean, like, I don't even have an accountant. I DIY my bookkeeping. So, (laughs) like, I've, anytime I make any changes, like, I know what's happening. I know, like, I know the ins and the outs of everything. I don't have to go into this, this software and go, oh, you know, what was my profit for this month? Because I already know because I looked at it yesterday. I already know because I input the sale that I had yesterday. So it's with me, I find doing it myself. Like I do my bookkeeping on Excel and I love Excel. And I've, I've had so much success with doing it that way as opposed to doing it on QuickBooks because I get frustrated when I can't. <laughs> manually input things and I know you can do it with QuickBooks but I don't like the journal entry style that they do 
as opposed to me doing it manually through Excel the way I do. But yeah, I've always done my bookkeeping myself and I just, I love it. It's so much fun. It's like my happy therapy every week. <laughs> I love numbers. And I love numbers too. But there's a caveat to that as well. You have an accounting or a finance background too, do you not? I do. So I actually, my dad's actually an accountant too. So it must run in my blood. <laughs> That's probably why I love numbers so much. But <laughs> I went to college and got my my certificate in business and I took the accounting route. So I did actually learn kind of more. And I mean, I had a lot of this knowledge myself because I, I educated myself through a whole rabbit hole of YouTube before <laughs> I did my schooling. But it really helped with learning because for me, I know that when I was DIY in my bookkeeping, I couldn't really fully comprehend the difference between what a sale is and what a cash, what a cash transaction is. That to me didn't really, it, it took me a while to actually understand what that meant. So my bookkeeping before I went to school was a hot mess. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> maybe wouldn't recommend doing that if you ha don't have the background in it, but having the background now I'm able to kind of go, okay, yeah, this is, I'm going to have a separate Excel sheet for my cash. I'm going to have another Excel sheet for my sales. So then it's separate. But before it was like, oh, I had a $30,000 month. That's not right. What did I do wrong? <laughs> and I would spend hours going through my sheet going, well, no, it's all right. I have my sales and I have my cash there. So I was doing it as one sheet and having like my sales and my cash as one. So my numbers were just all over the place and not accurate whatsoever. But once I went to college and got that understanding of, okay, this is a sale, this is cash. This is how you do it. This is how you do your bookkeeping. Then it was more enjoyable because it was less frustrating. But yeah, not having that background, it's it can get pretty complicated if you don't know what you're doing. Definitely can. And so for those listeners who don't know the difference between sales and cash, here's just a quick little um, idea. So I was working with some educators at the beginning of the month. And so a good example is when somebody hires you for tutoring or will go with coaching for an extended period of time. And so we'll call it 10 months and they pay you $5,000, but they're paying you five. So sometimes you can receive the cash all up front and that would be your cash and it would also be your sales or sometimes they pay you on a monthly basis so instead of paying you five thousand dollars up front that say they're paying you five hundred dollars a month you have that sales amount of five five thousand dollars but your cash received is only five hundred dollars and it gets a lot more complicated too when you're both either a sole proprietor in Canada or a corporation because you have to recognize them in two different manners. Because when you are a corporation, you do have to do what they call accrual-based accounting, which means you can only recognize the amount of sales when you have fulfilled the obligation that is required. So say if we have the example at the beginning, the $5,000 somebody pays you up front and you have an obligation to coach somebody for 10 months, you cannot recognize the $5,000. You can only recognize $500 for each month, month out of the 10. So again, it does get complicated between sales and cash 
an accrual and a cash-based accounting. And it all depends on the way your business is set up and whether or not you've received the money or not. So just providing a bit more context around kind of the difficulties that can happen when you are trying to do it yourself bookkeeping when you don't have an accounting or finance background. And that is probably the tricky part too, right? You're like, I received $500, but it's saying I have $30,000. What's the difference? Yeah, no. And yeah. I, I remember I did like my taxes with my bookkeeper or not, not my bookkeeper. I do my bookkeeping. But when I do my year in taxes, I went to the lady to do my taxes and I found out I did everything wrong. And I didn't know that in Canada, I had to count my sales as opposed to my cash. So when, even though I was, you know, getting that cash or not getting that, okay, I'm confusing myself now, (laughs) but I was counting my cash for doing my taxes rather than my sales. So I was making less than I actually should have been that the government wanted to know. So I ended up having to go back to her and redo it. So even though I have that background in accounting, I still didn't know that for Canada because I'm not an accountant. I'm not actually certified. So I don't have that knowledge on what the you know rules and regulations are as well. So there's that you know caveat as well. Is yeah. It's going to be different everywhere you are. And I found that out the hard way. And did <laughs> you have... <laughs> Did you have a big tax bill that you owed then at the end of the year? I did not. I got $2,000 back. Well, lucky you. (laughs) There's a lot of people that I know that have done that and they are experiencing a big tax bill at the end of the year because they have hit that $30,000 in sales for the year and then have to start remitting uh, money to the government and they haven't done that. So then they're faced with this large bill at the end of the year for tax time. And you only have like 60 days to come up with the amount. So it's yeah. really like you have a really quick turnaround. And if you don't pay it within that time frame, interest and penalties start accruing from the day that the, um, I, the amount is due. So I'm glad you didn't have a large tax bill at the end of the year um, because that could be a different conversation then. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's, there's tons of pros and cons of DIYing your bookkeeping. Mm -hmm. And one of them is, are you willing to uh, possibly potentially take a financial hit by learning yourself? (laughs) It might be one of them. (laughs) (laughs) So using Excel, what do you find works really well with it? I just love being in control. Like I can move stuff around if I don't like the way it looks. Yeah. I can change it around. Like it's, I've got mine set up. So I basically have my first page is all my, all my sales and all of my expenses throughout January to December. Cause I do January, December for my year end, but then going into the next page, then I've got an income statement that I can generate. So through lots of (laughs) playing around with my spreadsheets and figuring out how I like it, I now only have instead of, you know, 12 to 14 tabs of different things. Now it's only two pages. So it's 
it's nice to be able to kind of figure out what works for you and what doesn't and be able to tweak it with, you know, knowing how much I do about Excel without yeah. messing things up. Because <laughs> I would and suck to do it and change it and go, oh, I just lost all of my transactions. How do I get them back? <laughs> yeah. So you do need the technology um, capabilities as well with Excel mm-hmm. and doing that. And with your current system, are you able to project or to see how much or project or predict what your profit will be over the next quarter or year? There is ways that I figured out how to do it, but I haven't found a way that's kind of lit me up where I'm like, okay, this is, this is working for me. So the, the projection aspect, to be honest, I haven't quite figured out yet because my income fluctuates so much that it's kind of hard to use Excel in my opinion for how I have (laughs) to project it. So, I mean, that's where having a software would definitely be beneficial is you don't have to do the thinking on how are you going to do your projections? Because for someone like me, where my income's up and down and up and down all the time and not just, you know, up, 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 (laughs) there's some months where my income goes up 2,500%. There's some months my income goes up 10%. Like it's so... (laughs) so hard to predict it that I haven't quite figured that out yet for Excel. Yeah. And it's probably too, when you're not on a consistent release schedule or a launch schedule too. Mm -hmm. So when I think of some of the bigger names out there, for example, James Wenmore or Jasmine Starr, they have once a year enrollment for their items. So they know how much they're going to get that one time a year and then the recurring revenue through there. So they're able to predict and to forecast, okay, we're going to increase membership by 10%, 20% or whatever. And this mm-hmm. will be the impact on it. So I think too, with the way your business is set up versus others with different launch and different items, and I'm only bringing this up is because we were discussing offline about how we're kind of, you're in kind of a transition period right now too, um, where you may not be necessarily offering the same products year after year in the same manner. And that also changes the way you can predict or forecast how your profits are going to be moving forward. Yeah, no, that definitely makes a huge difference. <laughs> I can definitely see that with, with being able to make projections. Yeah. Yeah. And so using Excel and actually I'm going to ask you, I'm going to switch the topic a little bit. I know previously through one of my purchases with you, you had been using Trello for personal finances. Is that still a method that you use or have you transitioned more towards your Excel file for this as well? I'm still using Trello. I'm actually switching all my Trello over to Notion, (laughs) but my finance stuff is probably going to be sticking in Trello because I just, I love, I love how I have it set up in a way where I can look at my past like two years of income and sales. I have it where, and that's kind of where I have not my projections, but I've also calculated, okay, like this month is I'm a very aesthetically pleasing person. If it looks good, I love going into it. Excel doesn't look good to me <laughs> like Trello does with all the cover photos yeah. and images you can put in. So 
I get more excited about looking at finance stuff when it's on Trello, but I'd never do accounting in Trello because you, pro well, you can, but definitely wouldn't recommend that route for DIY. <laughs> but I think no, I be hard to, I think it'd be hard to, to pass it on to your accountant or your tax preparer too, at the end of the year, if it's all in Trello. Yeah. Well, there's ways where you can incorporate, I think they have uh, QuickBooks with, with Trello now where you can input stuff into Trello and then it goes into your QuickBooks, but why complicate it? Just use QuickBooks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I remember. So if you wanted to just briefly explain how do you use Trello for your personal finances? Because Trello to me was not really like something I would use for my finances, but more so maybe for my content planning, for example, where I could have a picture and then my graphic and I can pass it off to my VA to upload to social media or something. So what is the methodology that you use with Trello for your personal finances? So with Trello, like you said, most people use it for content planning. It's, it's a program planning software, basically. But what I use it for with finances is I have, so basically to give you a visual kind of, you know, like Trello, for those of you that don't use Trello or don't know what Trello is, like it's basically like sticky notes. So you have like one, one board here that's, you know, a sticky note of January, February, March, April, and so forth. So I have all the months set up and then that's the months where I would input my, my cards or more sticky notes down below it with what, what sale I made, what cash I made. And I have two separate, separate boards for different things for that. But I would input how much money I made that month as it came in. So I could visually see how much money I made in an aesthetically pleasing way that got me excited. <laughs> And then I also have it set up. So as I add that income, it, or it calculates it for me. So every single month, rather than having to, you know, bring out a calculator and go, okay, I made la, 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 this much. I could just look at the months and know how much I made and know how much my income's growing as, as the months and the quarters progressed. So I have that set up just to kind of get me excited about income <laughs> and my business growing. But then for personal finances, I have it set up so every single every single personal bill I have coming out, I have that in there with a date. And then I have it set up so it sends me a reminder on my phone two days before the, the bill is due. So I get that reminder two days before saying, you know, just, just a heads up, this bill is coming out in two days, you know, make sure you have the money in your account. So that really helped me with getting getting my finances figured out, especially as a sole proprietor, because as a sole proprietor, my business is me. And my income is in one account. <laughs> so that kind of helped me with getting that squared away, making sure that I wasn't making any hiccups and oops and NSFs or any of that fun stuff. So I have that. And then I also did the same thing with my business expenses where every single month I could look at it and go, okay, this is going to be coming out for this date. And I could look at it and go, okay, you know, this do I really need this bill coming out? Like, is this a program I still use? So I could kind of review it every single month as well. So I've, I've loved it. It's helped me stay organized with my, all my expenses coming out to visually see, because we, especially as entrepreneurs, we use so many softwares. 
Like <laughs> we look the next day and there's a new Zoom app coming out and everybody's signing up for that. And then you have email and there's just so many things that we use that it's nice to visually track what it is that's coming out and know what programs are for what. So I hope that answers your question. It does. Um, when you were talking to it, actually, I have a follow-up question. You said you only have one bank account for both your personal and business finances. So I don't now because I learned the hard way. <laughs> That's not a good idea. <laughs> but I, before I had my separate account, it was all my money was coming out of one account. Like I wasn't actually paying myself. It was hundred percent of my business income was my income. So if I need, like, I didn't even, when I first started my business, I didn't even have a separate account for my savings for taxes. So like come tax season, <laughs> that was a scary time for me because I never taught myself at the beginning of my entrepreneur journey of separating your business, business finances from your personal, because I was a sole proprietor. So my understanding was, you know, oh, it's all one account, you know, everything's all together, but no, please don't ever do that. Don't make the same mistake I did and, you know, screw yourself with like, oh, my, uh, my windshield just got broken. I need to repair that. Oh, I'll just take that out of my account. So <laughs> that was a huge learning curve for me when my first, like I've been an entrepreneur for nine years now, I think. And my first year, I... I screwed myself come tax season because I never set myself up to separate myself from my business. And it, it was, uh, it was scary. <laughs> yeah. And it can be like, and I know a lot of people use the single bank account, whether it be for one reason or another, maybe they don't want to pay for a business account and P.S. There are free business accounts out there. You just have to look for them. Or perhaps it is because they're using their own personal money or debt in order to help fund their business in that first year, whether it be through coaching, doing it themselves. So they don't see the point of doing a separate bank account. But I do, that is something I highly, highly recommend is looking into those separate bank accounts. And if you need to do your own personal finances. And I'm saying this like as a sole proprietor, you want to fund things that you don't have the cash for, do like a shareholder loan or an owner's loan from the business. So when you've got money that comes into the business, then you can pay yourself back over a period of time, which will help then as well for keeping your items separated. But yeah, I wanted to ask because I was like, I heard you said you had one account. <laughs> And that's something that I strongly recommend that most entrepreneurs move away from and just try to focus on personal and business and separate the two. So I wanted to just ask if there's anything else you wanted to share about do-it-yourself bookkeeping, bookkeeping in Excel, anything that we've talked on today that you'd like to bring up, share some financial lessons you've had that maybe you want to provide to the audience. Not really. I mean, we pretty much threw our conversations in this, this episode. I feel like we covered most of it. Like, <laughs> I mean, please, after listening to this episode, if you don't have your business separated from your personal account, please go get an account. Like you, there's, like she said, there's free ones out there. I use a free one personally, and I love it. It's amazing. 
And I mean, like I've gotten to the point now in my business where I'm paying myself what it is. Like I'm not at the point in my business where I'm paying beyond like giving myself extra, but like I know through my Trello board, how much I have in personal personal bills every single month. So I just give myself a little bit of an increase beyond that. So like I pay myself my bills plus 15%. And I just take that out of my business account every single month. I get that. That's basically, you know, look at it like a, you know, this is my personal allowance for the month. <laughs> this is what I'm allowing myself to spend this month. And a lot of the times I have money left over, which is great, but definitely get your stuff separated. Please, please, please don't make that same mistake I did. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that is something. So I read Profit Plan. I can't remember quite who it's from. It's Mike something. And that is something that he talks about too, is paying, well, paying yourself first, but also making sure you have that money set aside for your taxes and everything as well. And um, they talk about creating a profit account. So you put a certain amount of money into this account and then every quarter you pay yourself a bonus so that you're not always constantly working and not seeing the benefits of working your own business. So that is definitely a book that if you haven't read, I do recommend it as well. Um, so as we're tying up the interview, I'd love to know um, how people can get in touch with you, ways people that uh, can work with you, um, and then any social media followings, and I will include all of the links in the show notes as well. Yeah, so the ways that you can reach me is if you go to my website, it's shebloomsfaithfully.com. You can contact me on there. There's a contact me form that'll go straight to my email. So if you want to have a conversation or anything like that, that's your resource there. And then I'm on Instagram at shebloomsfaithfully as well. Fantastic. Thank you again, Courtney, for your time and being here and for being my first guest. Um, I look forward to hearing what everyone, uh, big, everyone's biggest takeaways are from this podcast. And uh, we will be in contact. I will include, like I said, all of the notes below and, um, and the links. So if you found something valuable, share, tag us in the podcast, let us know what your thoughts are. And I look forward to being in contact in a couple weeks. Have a great day. Ciao.